Welcome to Policy Chats, the official podcast of the School of Public Policy at the University of California, Riverside. I'm your host, Kevin Karami. Join me and my classmates as we learn about potential policy solutions for today's biggest societal challenges. Joining us today is Professor of Public Policy, Ching Fong Wang. I chatted with her about the challenges Latina-owned businesses face. Dr. Wang, you are a professor of public policy at the UC Riverside School of Public Policy. Your research lies in immigration, the labor market, and development. You also focus on how race, immigration, and gender play roles in shaping labor market experiences and socioeconomic well-being. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks for this great opportunity. Thank you, of course. So we have a lot to get into, so I want to jump straight into it. Um, But before we dive deep into the main topic of the episode, which is the challenges that Latina-owned businesses face, I'd like to first briefly talk about the way race, immigration status, and gender intersect with the labor market. So my first question is, what kinds of challenges do minority-owned or female-owned businesses face that are completely unique to them? Thanks for this question, Kevin. Small businesses face many challenges, but uh, minority and women-owned businesses, they face more challenges, I have to say that way. For example, they like human capital, such as financial literacy and prior business uh, experiences, stereotyping, marginalization, and discrimination. Uh, they also face the challenges to build social networks, which are very critical for business development. And these factors further strengthen the barrier for them to access the financial capital. And also because of these barriers, many of them are in the low wage, low capital, and easy to enter industries. And these industries normally offer limited markets and are more vulnerable to disastrous events just like COVID-19, you know. So in all, minority and women-owned businesses, they face greater challenges in accessing money, market, and knowledge of management. Thank you for that. Yeah, I think it's really important that we talk about this more since a lot of the times when, you know, we're talking about, uh, in general, we talk about businesses and the challenge they face, we kind of forget to differentiate, um, you know, minority-owned businesses and female-owned businesses and the specific issues that they face. So kind of as a follow-up to that, I wanted to ask, what are the major socioeconomic or policy factors that contribute to the challenges you were speaking about? Yeah, this is a great question. Uh, I want to highlight uh, three things. So first is stereotyping, discrimination, and marginalization. So we have a large number of studies, including my own research, that have talked about these issues. For example, many of our participants, they talked about the experiences of feeling being discriminated or disadvantaged as a female business owner or people of color or a combination of both. So the second factor is the racial minority and women, they like behind non-minorities in terms of business management, education and experience experiences. So if you look at the educational part, so I have some uh, numbers here for you. So according to the Graduate Management Administration Council report in 2018, 
African and Hispanic Americans are underrepresented in the business school administration uh, admissions pipeline compared to both the US population and the population with a bachelor's degree. So the formal education will impact the level of financial literacy, social network building, access to financial capital, and many other aspects of business management. So furthermore, there is significant inequality of high-tech venture capital or just a general capital access, which is extremely limited for underserved communities. For example, from uh, 1990 to 2016, minority entrepreneurs only represented about 20% of entrepreneurs funded by venture capital. So as such, entrepreneurs of color and women are more likely to enter industries with low capital requirements and high failures inside, uh, inside of high growth sectors. So all these different factors uh, contribute to the difficulties they are facing and more challenges when they face the disastrous event like COVID-19. Join us on September 30th for the inaugural Policy Innovator Awards Ceremony when we recognize Randall Lewis and Jesse Melgar for their contributions to public policy in our region. All funds raised from this special virtual event will go towards supporting students of the UCR School of Public Policy. Visit policyinnovator.ucr.edu for registration information and sponsorship opportunities. You can also find the link in our show notes. Thank you. And I think that was a really great answer because you kind of tackled it from multiple different perspectives, you know, talking about the marginalization and also the other challenges that directly impact how um, these businesses and entrepreneurs and just people in general are almost have these barriers up that they can't get over very easily. And, you know, it's up to, you know, the public policy sector maybe to actually step in and help support them. And you also uh, alluded to COVID-19, which is a great transition into the next question I want to ask. So moving into Latina-owned businesses in the Inland Empire, you know, I understand that you wrote a research report on this topic specifically. Um, and furthermore, you know, obviously under COVID-19, businesses across the board have been heavily impacted. So with that said, my first question in this topic is, how have Latina-owned businesses in the Inland Empire been affected this past year? Thanks, Kevin. Uh, we did a report before COVID, and then COVID hit us, so we did a polling study based on that. So before and after COVID, both studies together help us to understand the challenges they are facing pretty well. So in terms of the impacts, according to the National Business uh, Small Business Survey, in the IE region, 89% of small businesses they reported from moderate to large negative impact. In, uh, this is in early May, 2020. So after one year, the percentage is still as high at almost 70%. So the impact on the IE region is pretty bad. They are at the personal level, uh, business level and the community level. For example, at the business level, we find that uh, we observed direct market shrinkage due to lockdown and social distancing, operational disruption, shortage of uh, employees and supply chain disruptions. There are significant ripple 
ripple effects or ripple damages caused by reduced demand of or shutdown of small businesses in the supply chain. For instance, when uh, restaurants shut down, impacts extend to real estate, the rental part, right? Uh, food processing industries, farms, commercial insurance, accounting, and other businesses in the cluster and the consumption chain. Also, tourism-oriented communities such as Palm Springs, they are among the hardest hit. So the impact on business is also a family issue. We really have to look at this because most small businesses, they are located at home, especially for Latina-owned businesses. Especially for women, childcare has prevented them from working. It is hard to keep the boundary between family and business to meet the need between businesses and childcare and other family needs. But I also want to note that uh, the impact are not all negative, okay? So the majority of businesses have experienced moderate to large negative impacts. A small proportion indicated a minor or no impact. And a small proportion also uh, even reported a increase in demand for their services or products. So what, why does it happen? So we look at the aspects of pivot or reinvention part. We find that more than other groups, Latina owned businesses, they expressed significant flexibility and creativity in seeking new opportunities and reinventing. So new opportunities often mean new strategies for different types of businesses uh, services or uh, products by either strengthening the current focus or shifting to new field in highest demand under the pandemic. We also find that the most critical factors for Latina-owned businesses to take advantage of these op new opportunities include technology, social networks, human capital, community support, and government aid programs. Yeah, that's pretty much. Thank you. And you mentioned something really interesting there that I kind of want to pick at and kind of dive deeper in. And that was that Latino businesses tend to look at creative solutions or a path to a solution in general. Can you briefly like talk about that portion specifically, like specifically how they work to find solutions that aren't conventional that other businesses don't look towards in terms of helping kind of off-put the challenges that they face that are unique to them? Yes. Um, in most cases, uh, they just uh, expand their services. They normally don't uh, count on this. This not their, was not their mainstream businesses. For example, we have the uh, law uh, firms they normally uh, focus on other aspects, but under COVID-19, there are more demand in, for example, divorce, unfortunately, and some other things. So they include this new services to them. Some businesses, they not, uh, focused on food industry before COVID, but uh, during the COVID, because health industry is so uh, in high demand, so they started expanding their services to there. In some other like digital companies, uh, they started, they find out that digital marketing is in much demand. So they started expanding their new 
services and the products in that aspect. And also we find that some businesses, they have embraced technology before COVID, okay? Now they feel much easier to adapt into the new business mode. But we have to point out that large number of Latino owned businesses, like I earlier mentioned, they are in the low wage, low uh, skill, even low skill and easy to enter industries, which haven't adopted technology that much before COVID. Now, under the COVID hit, it's much more difficult for them to do so. And also, uh, they, they are very uh, resilient in this way, it means they, 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 they realize the challenges, many of them, they rapidly you know, reach out to their connections with either peer community, peer business communities, or the associations, or the local government agencies, trying to get resources and help from their mainly information and the government aid programs. Uh, so they take the, uh, the advantage of these resources to put into their new business planning and quickly include the new product or services. And this, uh, your question also hit one big uh, point, which is government aid programs. In previous studies based on the natural disaster, uh, we find that uh, business, uh, government aid, they help a business to cope with a short term impact very much, you know. But under COVID-19, because it's a, such a long time and also almost everybody is impacted. So how the business aid programs has been perceived, received and used have significant impact on small businesses. We find the businesses who have a good connection with like bank or their uh, uh, tax preparer or the accountant who have a good connection with the communities, they have a better access to knowledge and information and resources to help them to apply for this business aid programs. Once they get it, majority of them, almost everybody say, oh, this is a great program. They helped me this way and that way. We also find that some creative businesses, they use the money, not simply just to keep their staff, you know, they also use this money for a little bit of long-term business planning, you know, how to uh, brand my business because now is a great time for branding my business, where I, should, uh, I can find the niche market, how the money can help me to do better with the digital marketing, you know. So they use the money in a more creative way than what are the paper, what are the requirements of those the programs require them. They, they think beyond that. So in this way, I think the government aid programs probably can help them in the longer term because they uh, take the advantage of this time to really look into the long-term impact. Social injustice, health disparities, climate change. Are you interested in solving pressing challenges like these currently facing our region and the world? Then consider joining the next cohort of future policy leaders like me by applying for the UCR Master of Public Policy program. Learn more at mpp.ucr.edu.
You can also find the link in our show notes. That was really, really interesting. And I almost want to say inspirational because it really, you really highlighted how important and useful creativity can be even in a space like business. And you also earlier on mentioned the technological divide and how businesses that adopted technology before the pandemic had an easier time dealing with it versus ones that had to kind of adapt in the moment. So I think that was a really, really interesting answer. And so kind of, I want to kind of end the COVID-19 question on this note. Is it possible that, you know, all of these impacts and these barriers that we've talked about are going to carry over even after the pandemic is over? Uh, this is a great question. You know, the short answer is yes, because many of these uh, short-term impacts are actually built upon the long-term issues. So some issues there for a long time. Under COVID-19, it's just revealed. And after 19, will they go away with COVID? I wish, but some issues, they're going to stay there. For example, the accurate and the timely information is extremely important. When you have access to this information, you will have a better chance, you know, better resources to take advantage during this COVID. But access to information requires business connections with their peers, community organizations, government agencies. But these connections they couldn't be built overnight when the pandemic hits. I just started having this connection. No, actually, when you lack of this social capital before COVID, then it become even more difficult for you to do that. So the business connection to different networks before COVID has a significant impact on their ability to access information during COVID. Likewise, we know technology efficiency become critical for both business survival and customer access during COVID-19. Many Latino-owned businesses haven't embraced the technology before COVID. Our earlier study in 2019 have identified that before COVID, they faced the challenges of access to capital, like human capital, limited English proficiency and the lack of access to continuing education and the mentorship, you would wonder how this will impact their uh, uh, coping strategies during COVID-19. But all these factors just have impact on their technology efficiency, if you think about this way. So many impacts will stay because of long-term challenges facing women and minority-owned businesses. So overall, the experiences of Latino-owned businesses in coping COVID-19 suggest a need for continuous investment in technology, continuing education, social network building for small businesses to access money market and knowledge management, I would say that way. Thank you. And I think that you know, perfectly highlights why this is something that really needs to be talked about more because all the issues you know, that existed before are gonna continue. And like you mentioned, it's gonna require a lot of effort from multiple different avenues to actually help offset it. Um, and hopefully in the future, we can kind of work to uh, potentially solve some of these problems. I'd like to take a step back a little bit and look at this topic a little bit more broadly. So I wanna ask um, what kinds of issues exist for Latina owned businesses 
across the entire country and how, like, if at all, do they differentiate themselves from the issues that are specific to the Inland Empire in California? Yes, uh, first of all, the existing studies have discussed the challenges facing women and the minority-owned businesses. So we see common themes between our IE region and other places. For example, the challenges in accessing financial capital, the limited social networks, uh, limited market, like management knowledge. But uh, in also like the gender and the racial related stereotyping and the discrimination. So these calls for the constant efforts to combat these challenges from our society, from our entire society, okay? But at the same time, our region has uh, its unique challenges and opportunities. For example, compared to the 18 to 19% of the US population, uh, more than 50% in our region are uh, Hispanic and Latino origin. Okay, this which is a much higher than the national percentage. However, 65% of residents in the I region, they live in a neighborhood with a poverty rate of more than 20%. So compared to the entire California or in the Southern California to, compared to the coastal region, our region is economically, more economically disadvantaged. So historical reliance on the low cost land and utilities in the region has emphasized the creation of low tech, low wage businesses and service industries, as well as we know the warehousing and the logistic industries, okay? so. Operation, uh, operating out of the IE region presents additional challenges, including difficulty in recruiting employees, fewer regional markets, limited access to social networking events and training programs, as well as lack of mentors and access to uh, role model in underserved communities. So we face these challenges at, in our region. This is the disadvantages that our small business owners, especially Latino owned, uh, business owners have told us. But offsetting these uh, challenges is a sizable government employment base, institutions of higher education, and a growing population of increasingly educated and wealthy residents that are drawn uh, by our low cost of housing. You know? So the rapid growth of non-white population has created a significant unmet market opportunities as well. In recent years, the number of regional businesses, especially those owned by people of color and women have grown rapidly, okay? So in fact, uh, I usually the, which is also the Riverside metropolitan area, it ranks among the top five nationally for the total number of Latino owned uh, businesses. Therefore, uh, uh, fostering a inclusive entrepreneurship ecosystem and equitable growth is a common theme nationwide, okay? But in my view, our region has both the challenges and opportunities, opportunities to set a model for our nation, I think that way. 
The UC Riverside School of Public Policy is excited to announce the launch in fall 2022 of its new combined BA and Master of Public Policy program. As the only such program offered exclusively within a public policy school in the entire UC system, the UCR BA MPP will allow public policy students to complete both their public policy major and graduate studies in five years. Learn more at spp.ucr.edu slash ba-mpp for more information. You can also find the link in our show notes. Thank you. And I think that was a really great way of breaking it down. And that's a really interesting point. Uh, that's something that I didn't know. And I don't think most people know that our region at the same time has a lot of unique challenges, but also has some more opportunities that other places don't have. And that's a really interesting way of looking at it. I didn't, I didn't know that. And I think most people can also agree that that is also important to recognize um, that there are definitely unique aspects to this region that don't exist anywhere else in the country. And I think you've done an amazing job of explaining the issues um, in terms of discrimination to uh, both minority-owned businesses and female-owned businesses. So we've talked a lot about the impacts of COVID and the policy and economic barriers that exist. So I kind of want to end on a maybe more positive note. In terms of like policy, economic, or social developments, um, what kind of specific ones would you like to see in the coming years to solve all the issues that we've spoken about? Mm, thank you, Kevin. I think that's a great question. Uh, in many cases, it's beyond our researchers' uh, you know, role, but we want to advocate for this, absolutely. You know? uh, I want to say, uh, for both the short-term and long-term needs, we need more effort. And this effort is going to come from multiple uh, sectors. Okay, So for small businesses, it is extremely important to keep themselves informed as best as possible. It means that they need to keep connected with the peer business owners, banks, professional organizations, and local government agencies. They need to integrate new business strategies through technological innovation. It's also important for financial planning and financial preparation and reinvent under the new uh, normality. We always talk about the new normal. Okay, so um, to achieve this goals, continuous education on business management, planning, and technical literacy, and persistence outreach to professional organizations and government agencies are essential, very important. I also want to mention that actually uh, UCR, uh, we have uh, the, the team who has been working with not only UCR campus, UCR faculty and students. We also were uh, working with local communities, working small businesses, hoping to provide the technological innovation and some uh, uh, very fundamental uh, education for small businesses. So um, this is a, this is a uh, small business part. For government part, uh, it is fundamental for them to keep people informed by providing accurate, timely, and consistent information and guidance. This is a, very, very important. Uh, under uh, COVID-19, we see so many things related with this uncertainty and the, sometimes even fear, confusion, 
you know, all because of we don't have a timely and accurate information. Okay. And also the government agencies, they need to reach out better for local people, for local people, especially traditionally hard to reach communities. And at the same time, we find under this uh, pandemic disruption, the services from nonprofit organizations prove to be more critical under this disaster event. They, they need to advocate and promote themselves in local communities better and budget for uh, marketing themselves and consistently communicate with the local communities. For underserved communities like Latino-owned businesses, these organizations need to provide services in uh, Spanish, reduce distrust, better motivate Latino-owned businesses to outreach for education and networking, and collaborate with other community-based organizations, for example, the faith-based institutions. We see a lot of this mismatch between the businesses who need the resources and uh, services and the organizations who provide the services, but they couldn't meet the underserved communities. So there need a better alignment between these two sides. But my point is, this is going to be an effort from multiple sectors. We need to work together, okay? So our region also needs to diversify its economic base, continue to invest in education, promote higher paid job opportunities, attract more big corporations, who are willing to work with the small businesses to foster a stronger small business uh, ecosystem. So this is going to be, I, I still say that, the collaboration from uh, the multiple sectors and from multiple dimensions. We have been seeing efforts in this. We have a more nonprofit organizations who are looking into the development issues also tackling some issue, uh, social issues as well. And the UCR is doing more, uh, increasingly more work with the local communities trying to help in this side. Um, like, uh, like the uh, National Latino Women Business Association in the IE region, which I have been working with for a long time, they also see the challenge, the opportunity and uh, they also make efforts trying to work with the, with, uh, with the university, work with the small businesses, local government agencies. So we see more and more efforts in this aspect and we will do better. We can, I think, yeah. I think that's a great way to end. You know, we, obviously it's really important to do the research and discuss the impacts and challenges that these businesses face, but. I also think it's you know important to talk about how we could solve these issues, right? Because that's the ultimate goal that we have, um, and it's just great to hear that there, you know, that there is a path um, that we can follow to potentially get to a place where um, these businesses don't have to face these um, challenges that are you know very discriminatory to them. Um, and I think you did a really great job of highlighting just how important the issue is. And um, you know, one of my favorite points you made was how the government needs governments need to be um, really avid about providing accurate and timely information. That's something that COVID really revealed that we aren't great at. And it's important, not just for these businesses, but for the, um, the population in general. So 
Dr. Wong, thank you for joining us on this episode of Policy Chats. Um, this is an amazing discussion. Um, and like I said, it's an issue that really, really needs to be highlighted more often. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you very much. This podcast is a production of the UC Riverside School of Public Policy. Our theme music was produced by C. Codain. I'm Kevin Karami. Till next time.